Start counting. Five, six, seven. In four, damn it! Look at me! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Oh, no. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference! Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Does It Hold Up podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And you know what we do here. We go back and we look at a movie from many, many years ago. Sometimes not that many years ago. And we decide if it still holds up to today's standards. Normally, we have a rule where we can only go back to movies that are older than a decade. They had to have come out 10 years or more ago. But... We're breaking our own rule. We're breaking our own rules this week because we are going to be talking about 2014's Whiplash. I wouldn't say so much as breaking it as like fudging it. Well, here's my thought process. Whiplash, the movie that we're going to be talking about, is actually just an extended version of a short called Whiplash that did come out in 2013. And I have watched that. So, but that is not what we're covering shh, today. Shh. <laughs> what year did this come? Shh. Doesn't matter. <laughs> shh. Shh. We're we're doing it because yep. I want to. Couldn't, and it's just my couldn't, pod. Just couldn't wait. It's all good. It's my podcast. I'll do what I want. <laughs> it's my podcast, and I'll do what I want. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so yes, we are going all the way back to October tenth, two thousand and fourteen, to talk about the Oscar-nominated film whiplash starring one miles teller and jk simmons yeah this is the first time you've seen this movie yeah first of course ever. it is why do i even ask that question i just assume every movie this is the first time you've seen this movie that's not true just most movies this is not my first time seeing this movie uh i am a big fan of this movie i actually quite enjoy jazz music it does come up on my playlist every now and then this soundtrack is unbelievable in this movie and it's just a really cool story that gives me a lot of pause when it comes to things that happen maybe in my own life or things I've seen happen in other people's lives it just hits really close to home and because of that reason I really like this movie but I really liked it in 2014 and then I really liked it in 2017 I probably haven't watched it in a couple years mm-hmm. so I'm excited to kind of talk through it and see what happens what was your first thoughts here I'm on the opposite spectrum. I am not a fan of jazz, like, at all. Something about it, I I don't care so much for the, like, craziness of the nature of it. So I actually struggled watching this movie because I could not tell you if something was good, if something was bad, how it was supposed to sound. So I struggled a bit watching this movie. Uh, that's fair. If you're not a huge music person... This isn't the movie for you. And even if you are a music person, but you listen to, you know, Katy Perry, this is not the movie for you, most likely. But at the end of the day, you can still quite enjoy it because it's just a really well-made and well-told story Yeah, that you can find some kind of connection to. And that's what I think makes this movie work for the most part. We're going to find out if it, if it actually holds up or not. Before we get into everything, I do want to talk about the director, Damien Chazelle, mm-hmm. this was his first, so he also did the short from 2013, and then he got funding for this movie. He also went on then to do um, 
a Oscar-winning movie called La La Land. It did win the Oscar for about 15 seconds <laughs> before they realized it was a mistake and it was actually Moonlight that won Best Picture that year. So he also just did a movie that came out in 2022 called Babylon, which was nominated for a bunch of Oscars as well. This dude's like, I didn't care for La La Land. I fell asleep when I watched La La Land. Yeah, it wasn't great. I haven't seen Babylon yet. I want to. It's just hard to commit to like a three-hour movie. I uh, honestly avoided it because it just didn't look like my jam. So I I will eventually watch it. It's because it's 1920s Hollywood jazz again. That's just what this guy does. He does jazz. It's not only that, but it's like indulgence. And those kind of movies are like, eh. Just eh? Yeah. Like if there's too much like craziness going on, I tend not to connect as much with the characters okay so those movies tend to put me off or i'm i drag my feet in watching them even though i might enjoy them okay i mean that's that's fine um i also forget that damien chazelle did first man starring ryan gosling all about the first man on the moon and it was really good a lot not a lot of people saw it it's a nice slow paced movie the visuals are absolutely stunning so this dude's got a pretty good resume, but I say that to say this, he might have been in that realm of like a Jordan Peele where maybe their first movie was their best movie. Too much success right away, can't live up to it. Yeah. Keeps striving to like match the intensity and match the respect that this movie Whiplash got when it came out. Mm-hmm. And he's just not quite getting there. Yeah. Well, especially because in my limited research uh, going into this film, I found out that this one is a more personal story for him. He based it off of stuff that like happened in his life. So it might be that, like you do better when you actually have something that you know is what you're going into doing Yeah, a movie about. So I, it could just be that, like he had his own story, set it out, and then was like, where do I go from here? Yeah, 100%. That could be it because it's a lot easier to tell a story you know than to tell a story you don't. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I think he's a wonderful director. He does really interesting things. He The camera work is just crazy. Yeah. Where it's like, why are you shaking this camera? Oh, no, it totally makes sense why you're doing this. Like Everything he decides to do in this movie just seems to make sense for what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare. He clearly had a very good understanding of what he wanted to do. And I also wanted to talk about Justin Hurwitz, who was the composer of this film, um, because obviously it's his music that we hear the entire time, and it's kind of brilliant music. And the fact that he's not nominated for a single Oscar for this movie. He does go on to win two Oscars, both for La La Land for Best Original Score and Best Original Song for City of Stars. And it's just embarrassing, like... The music in this is way, way better than anything that happens in La La Land. And he was nominated for Babylon, too. And it's like, but you guys don't nominate him for Whiplash? It's embarrassing for the Academy. So he's just a great composer. He's actually, like, really young. Him and Chazelle, I believe, went to school together also. And that's how they know each other. And he's worked on everything that Chazelle's directed or been a part of. And it's, like, one of the best parts of the whole movie is the music. So just wanted to... You know, we don't talk enough about music on this show, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to Justin Hurwitz for his wonderful score. 
in Whiplash. Go ahead and talk to me about critics. So, unfortunately, this one is past our dear Robert Ebert's uh, time. He was no longer with us when this movie came out. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed in 2013, so he just missed out on this movie. So, I'm actually going to give you a quote from a different well-known reviewer of Leonard Maltin. Chazelle is interested in what makes an artist stand out and what he or she have to sacrifice in order to achieve greatness. He also explores in grim detail how a teacher can goad an impressionable student to the absolute limit and asks us to ponder whether the ends justify the means. That is pretty much this movie in a nutshell. Succinctly said, it is a very big think piece on how much a teacher can affect a student and whether or not that's good. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. Whereas with the Rotten Tomato scores, I want to see what you think they would be. I'm going to say it's 79. For which one? Or both? Uh, critics, 79. Okay. What and I'm going to say audience might be a little higher, around 84. Okay. You're wrong on both accounts. That, that Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> the, the Rotten Tomato critics and audience agree that it's a 94%. Ooh. Ooh, okay. A lot of people I don't, like it. I don't know if I agree with that. That might be a little too high. It's not as much reviews as we're used to for the audience. It's only about 50,000 reviews instead of like the 250,000. Mm, so it might just be it. that people didn't watch it if they didn't want to watch it. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. But let's see if the box office really spoke to those numbers. Uh, this movie came out in 2014. It had a budget of $3.3 million. Domestically, it took in $13,092,006. That's not that great. It's actually, if I remember from my research correctly, it's the lowest grossing movie ever nominated for Best Picture. Wow. At the Oscars. Because it just, it made nothing. It Well, that might not be true after this past Oscars where some of these movies like The Fablemans made no money. <laughs> Internationally, it took in about another $26 million for a worldwide total of $39.1 million. Mm-hmm. That's not bad on a $3.3 million budget. Well, especially knowing that this one was made for Sundance. It was a Sundance movie before getting a theatrical release. So well, they're all people... Sundance movies. I mean, they're not. if it's not a big studio blockbuster, they, it probably went through Sundance or Canes or something. Yeah. So, adjusted for inflation... 2022, it would be $14,445,538. Back in 2014, it ranked in the 157th spot of that year. Mostly because in 2014, it only made $5.9 million. It made the other $7.1 million in 2015 after it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Ah, yep. So they can only track it based on what it made that year, mm-hmm. and that's why it ranks so low. But if it had made all its money in 2014, it didn't get that much better. <laughs> it only went up into like the 120 spot, somewhere roughly around there. Adjusted in 2022, where do you think it would rank? Mm, 128. Ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> in the 62nd spot would be the 355 with $14.5 million. In 63rd would have been Whiplash with 14.4. And in 64th place, getting knocked down a spot, was American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, with 14.3 million. Those movies were all separated by $200,000 only. 
Is it sad that I don't remember like any of those? You didn't see any of those. That's <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> so the 355 was a true story based on miners who got stuck in a mine. If oh. I remember correctly. Okay. That was 355. I could be wrong on that one though. Uh, American Underdog is the true story of Kurt Warner, a professional quarterback in the NFL for many years and was bagging groceries when he got discovered and went to the NFL. Mm, so it's like a really cool underdog story. Hence why it's called American Underdog. <laughs> so that's the box office stuff. And I think that's a little crazy to only make $14 million, but to have a 94% tomato score. Yeah. It's a very niche film. Like if you're not into jazz, if you're not... I mean, you think about it. Yeah, if you're not into those things, it might not be for you. But you look at something like The Shape of Water. Mm -hmm. If you're not into having sex with fish, it might not be for you. And yet that movie still made a bunch of money. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. But I'm just saying, like, if you're not into it, that's okay. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't have been seen. Yeah. So using that as a crutch of, like, why it didn't make money, I just don't think it was marketed well. It was one of those ones of like, if you love movies, you knew it existed. Mm -hmm. If you were a casual audience, you didn't know it existed. And that was the problem. Yeah. But now I know it exists. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Let's do it. Okay. First thing I want to talk about is the introductions of the characters. Because mm -hmm. this movie starts off with Miles Teller, who plays Andrew Neiman or Neiman. I don't know. I think Weird it's Neiman. Yeah, Neiman. Well, that's what Fletcher calls him mm -hmm. is Neiman, but he does not introduce himself as that. He introduces himself as Andrew Neiman, oh. and then Fletcher calls him Neiman the whole movie. Super weird. Well, that's a power trip move. Exactly. But the movie starts off with just Miles Teller as Andrew sitting at a drum kit practicing. Might I say- In the dark. This is the most dramatic lighting ever to oh, start yeah. a movie. Absolutely. Like, he's just drumming in like a spotlight on him. But can we can we talk about what that could represent? Sure. Because we're in Andrew's mind, I think, at that time. He is solely focused on the drums, and that's why nothing else exists. It's him and the drums and blackness. Yeah. So that's perfect introduction to that character. Yeah, it's his sole focus. Yeah. And we, we learn that throughout the whole movie, like that he is hyper-focused on the drums. That is all that matters in his life. Mm -hmm. So to start this way, whether we know it consciously or not, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Then we get, he as he's practicing, we get an introduction to J.K. Simmons as Fletcher. Mm -hmm. As he just bursts into the room. There's no, like, pause. There's no knock at the door. There's no, he just opens it. <laughs> and it's just such a power move of, I'm here. And he looks at Andrew and he says, because Andrew stops playing. And he says, why'd you stop playing? So Andrew picks up his sticks and he starts playing again. And he, pl and he plays. And then he stops and he looks at Flesher and Flesher goes, why the hell did you start playing again? And Andrew tries to answer and Fletcher's like, no, no, no. I just asked you why you stopped playing and your asinine response was to start playing again. And then he hits him with, can you play this? Can you play that? And kind of tells him what to do. And then he's like, double time swing. And Andrew starts going and double time swing is like really fast. Do, 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 do. And as he's playing, Andrew's looking down. He looks up. Fletcher's gone. I think this was the perfect introduction for him. You yes. got it right away that he's just an a-hole. But he's that artistic a-hole who I know what I'm looking for. And I know greatness when I see it. And just, it was a great moment 
to introduce us to our like two main characters yeah yeah because that's exactly what the rest of the movie is going to be all about is their battle of how good andrew can be and how much of an heads up guys this is going to be a little bit of an explicit episode you're going to hear some foul language from us because this movie is just chock full of it and sometimes i don't think you'll get the point across without being able to say it it's almost every other word is a swear word yeah it's Andrew's drive and focus and Fletcher being a complete and utter asshole. That's the character introductions and that's exactly how it's going to be the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. It's one of my favorite openings ever where you're just, you're in it. You know what to expect. After we get introduced to them, do you know who they are immediately? Like what kind of people they are? Yeah. Like, so what would you classify Andrew as? He is a, obviously a student who is like really driven okay wants to be the best okay and uh, negative qualities what do you what do you think he's obsessive he is obsessive yep yeah he i have him as a try hard yeah you know like those people who just like they try way too hard to like be cool or Mm -hmm. to be a singer or to they just try way too hard and sometimes that's like a big turnoff where yeah. I'm just like, I don't like you because it, it's not a bad thing to try hard, but it's a bad thing to be a try hard. Mm-hmm. He's a try hard, right? Oh yeah. And it's kind of, you get it from him not only now, but more so throughout the rest of the film. It's like greatness or nothing. Yeah. Like, there's either no I'm going to be the best or I'm going to be nothing at all. Yeah. And there's no in between. Do you like that? Do you like Andrew? No. Okay. I don't like Andrew. I don't like Fletcher. I okay. I don't really like too many people in this movie. So, but you're not supposed to like them. Correct. They're they're all terrible people in their own way, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So Fletcher, after we met, we said it was a great introduction. Yeah. What do you think of Fletcher right away? What's your first takeaway? Uh, that he is aggressive, uh, domineering. He he is someone to be feared and revered all at the same time. I got that he would be the person to make or break your career. Yeah. If you impressed him, you could go far. Absolutely. If you fail in front of him, you're done. So the first time I ever watched this movie, and this time too, my initial impression of him when he walks in on Andrew and does all that and then walks out, as I'm like, damn, he's a gaslighting prick, isn't he? <laughs> like he's asking this man to play these things. Clearly, Andrew knows who he is because mm-hmm. he's he's like shocked that he's there and he's trying to impress him. This dude's like, play these things for me and just leaves in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. No words, no anything. And I'm like, so you built Andrew up. It took you 15 seconds to build Andrew up to think he's like being f- discovered. Yeah. And then you literally just walk out in the middle and completely crush his soul. He pulls the Batman. Holy you turn around crap. And just... Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Gaslighting 101 right there. But that's that's part of that thing of like, I now have an even bigger drive to impress him. Like, it's the idea of a, a mentor, a parent, someone you look up to, like giving you the slightest bit of attention, then pulling it away for them to be like, oh, I want that high again. Yep. It's very, and we'll get more into this later, but it's very toxic. Oh, absolutely. But it's so crazy because we haven't we haven't gotten really beyond the introduction of these characters yet we mm-hmm. can have an entire podcast just on that that's how much i love this opening scene yeah it's that good but then we move to 
Andrew going to his actual class, his music class, the band that he's a part of, and they start playing, and we find out he's not even the main drummer in that band. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the guy who sits behind the drummer who and changes his yeah. sheets of music. Flip my pages, bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the alternate, right? Mm-hmm. We find out he's that. So, like, for Fletcher to even hear him and want to connect with him in any way is just crazy. Yeah. When he's the top... Fletcher's this teacher at Schaefer, which is a music school. Like, the best One of the best in the country, yeah. Fletcher is, like, the top guy there. He wins all the awards. He wins all the competitions, everything. Mm -hmm. Teller, Miles Teller, Andrew, is in, like, the JV band. Yeah. Like, it's the junior band. It's the nobody cares. They're not going to do anything, but you're just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And you're hoping to get noticed to go to a different band. Fletcher's band is the studio band. That's what he wants to get to. But he's the alternate in the crappy band. Yeah. He sits behind a guy named Ryan, played by Austin Stowell, who is like a this guy. Like, you, mm-hmm. you know his face, but you could just never place where you know him from. Exactly. Which is crazy. I told you about it after we watched the movie. He's from a movie that you actually liked. I think it was a Netflix original or maybe, I don't know, some little low-budget rom-com called The Hating Game. Yeah, I think it was a Netflix original. Yeah, I think so too. So if you want to check him out and other things, go watch that. It was actually kind of fun, kind if of. I remember correctly. Kind yeah. of. But he sits behind him, and as they're practicing, what is what happens? Well, we skipped a part that I actually wanted to talk about. Oh, what part about. do you want to talk about? Uh, him going to meet with his dad at the movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because we get a bit of his outside life, not just music, because you want to set him up as like, he's a normal person and to watch how it kind of crumbles. So I both love and hate this scene because I love it because it's showing his dad. It's showing that he has this thing for the concessions girl. It shows that he has a life Yeah. right now, but I also hate it because don't talk in movies. <laughs> It was a big knit of mine. I actually have it written down in all caps. Do not talk in movies. Yeah. Like, if you're going to want to chat with your dad, get there before the movie starts. Yeah. I really liked... So, I, I'm with you in that, where it's like, yeah, the scene is fine. It, mm-hmm. it introduces to his life outside of music. Not a lot, but something. Mm-hmm. I like the part where he pours the raisinets into the popcorn, because my <laughs> mother does that. Every time we'd go see movies, she absolutely loves putting chocolate in her popcorn and having that sweet and salty mix. Yeah. Uh, Mom, if you're listening, shout out. But I love that Andrew eats around it. Like, he pours it in, and then his dad's like, you're missing it. He's like, I don't like it. Yeah, and I just, I just like, eat around it. Yeah, why did you do it? He's like, I don't know. I just eat around it. You you like it. Yeah, I... like, it's such an interesting thing where you're like, oh, okay, kind of like this guy. Like, he's a nice guy. He's kind of flirty with the concessions girl. It's... I was going to say, that moment also shows how much of a uh, pleaser he is. He wants to please people that he looks up to. Yeah, or... Try hard. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one, another part that I don't really care for is that whole idea. Like, Miles Teller is awkward. Always is. Uh, yeah. So I struggle to watch him, like, try to flirt with this chick. Like, you, I don't know why it works. Because he's so just Because he's been there a lot. That's that's the thing. We see one time, but, but the way she says, you want your regular, mm-hmm. it seems like this is a, a common occurrence and she's normally the one there. So I have to take it as in maybe he just wore her down. Could be. Or maybe he's just cute. Who knows? Yeah. To her. Yeah, to her. <laughs> just because you don't think he's cute doesn't mean somebody doesn't think he's cute. Now we can get to Fletcher coming into 
the right. re- regular band and regular band and okay he, so this entrance is fucking phenomenal right because they start warming up they're about to play and the bo- door just slams open again oh they already started playing that's the best part they played a part of one song they're starting to play another song and all of a sudden bam and the, everyone stops the doors just swing open and we get shot of shoes walking in because mm. Damien Chazelle is like, I really like these black wingtips that he's wearing. <laughs> so let's just show him a lot because we get a lot of foot stuff in this yeah. with Fletcher. But he walks in and everybody immediately, like, you could hear a fly buzzing mm-hmm. in a corner of the room. That's how silent it is. And the conductor that was in that room literally, like, goes off to the side. Yeah, he's gets like, up and oh walks God, away. I'm sorry. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm in your presence. <laughs> yeah. And so Fletcher comes in and he's like, all right, let's hear some of you people. Because he's basically there to listen to see if they're good enough to join studio band. Yeah. To give them a shot. And he goes through and he does a whole bunch of stuff. My favorite part of this whole scene, hmm. first chair sacks. Yeah. He's like, all right, let's see. Uh, you're in the first chair. Let's see if you're any good or if you're only here because you're cute. She plays three notes. He stops her and goes, yep, because you're cute. And that is the only woman we see playing an instrument in this movie and they do a sexist thing on wow it. it is isn't it yeah i actually had that as a, a note of mine of like this entire thing is just men like his entire band is just men jazz that's Could the thing be. jazz i i know it sounds really sexist but like yeah. all the great jazz artists of all time like there are a few women sprinkled in but it's it's mostly men it's a male dominated musical genre to play the music there are a ton of jazz singers yeah. who are women but playing the music it's normally men so it was a little annoying for me to have the only female you show playing music in there and you just say oh yeah it's because you're pretty i mean she literally was off key though i know so. i know I just <laughs> for me put another female like in the back row we never even have to like see them play or do anything just have them in the background to show that it's not just this is only a man's world and if you're in here it's just because you're pretty yeah but i get it i like that joke i get it it was funny as a woman it just annoyed me yeah for sure but then he has ryan play the drums and then he switches and he's like all right let's hear the alternate Mm -hmm. and he puts andrew in the seat and he hears it and then he just starts walking away and he's like drums with me and Ryan gets so excited. He pops up. He's yep. like, yeah. And he's like, not you. Sit down. The other one. And he tells him, he's like, hey, you're going to be in studio band. Like, come to this room tomorrow, 6 a.m. That's when you start. Yeah. But this scene, like, you want to talk about fear and reverence. When he walks in, how everybody shuts up and immediately focus and pays attention to him. And it's like, man, I can't tell if that's admiration or fear or mm-hmm. a weird combination of both. But chazelle does such a great job of framing fletcher and showcasing what how the world sees him that like i see him in the same way they do a wonderful thing where they let the background actors act Mm -hmm. and they let the world around him really set up what he is going to be like before we even really get to know him which is something that a lot of modern movies don't do they like to just tell you instead of let you figure it out Right, there would be a, there would have been a conversation like as he walked in, there would have been two people whispering, or as he walked out, two people whispering of like, "Oh my God, that's Fletcher. He's so powerful and he's so 
a, a good note from him will get you into any band anywhere yeah, in the world. Exactly. Like that would have been how we announced him today, but it was just like you let everyone else around him how they react to him give you this presence of mind of like what you should be thinking about him. Absolutely. Which is beautiful. Oh, I yeah. absolutely love that. But then Andrew gets all excited and he goes home and he tells his dad like, hey, he, he saw me and I got to go blah, blah, blah. Right. Then he shows up at 6 a.m. at the room. Fletcher told him to be there. He, he shows up a little late. He shows up a little late and he's terrified because he's late. He walks in. No one's there. He looks at the schedule studio band. Doesn't start until 9 a.m. Fletcher told him to be there at 6. And it he doesn't stays. start till 9. He stays in that room until it, 9. Once again. A, a very easily done thing where it's just the Andrew's such a tryhard and Fletcher's such a prick. We're definitely getting hit, like showing here. He's on a power trip. He will just tell you to do whatever. And he expects you to do whatever and just bend over backwards for him. And Andrew will do whatever mm -hmm. because he thinks that's what's going to get him noticed and make him a famous jazz drummer. Yeah. And mind you, when they finally come in, he's not even the main drummer. He nope. is still the second chair. He sits behind Tanner. Yeah. I like Tanner. Tanner's fun. <laughs> yeah, he is. So Fletcher comes in. They're playing music, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, all right, let's give the alternate a chance. Tanner, take a seat. Andrew, mm -hmm. get on the sticks. Get on the kit. Andrew sits down. They're playing. Fletcher's like into it. And he's telling him good things here. He's like, hey. It's okay. This is the first time you're seeing this music. Just do your best. Have it's fun. okay. Have fun. Everything's cool. And even as he's like going, he's like, yeah, good job. You're doing great. Keep it going. He's like building him up. And then all of a sudden he stops the entire freaking band. And he goes, that's not quite my tempo. And then all of a sudden just whips a chair at him. Yeah. Throws a chair right by his head against the wall. And he's like, you know why I did that? Are you rushing or are you dragging? Read the music. And he's like, oh, it's, you know, 2.15. So that's, you know, the beats, 2.15. And he's like, so are you rushing or dragging? And Andrew's like, and this is the scene we just played at the top because mm -hmm. it's probably the most famous scene here. And it, there's a reason for it because it's so damn good. Yeah. Because he's like, all right, start counting. And Andrew's like, one, two, three, four. And he slaps him. Fletcher just slaps Andrew. And he's like, keep counting. And he just slaps him. Right before he gets to four every time. And he's like, was I rushing or was I dragging? And he's like, oh, I, I don't know. And he's like, count again. And he does it. And he just keeps slapping him. Mm -hmm. And eventually he gets Andrew to admit that he was rushing or dragging. Andrew's not 100% sure what he was doing. And Fletcher's like, okay, was I rushing or dragging? And he's like, you were rushing. He's like, so you can fucking read. You do know the difference. Play it the way I want you to play it. Oh my God, what a moment. It's so intense. Yeah. For the fact that it's literally just counting numbers. It's counting rhythm. It's mm -hmm. counting beats. And yet, like, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, it's life or death. Like, what's going to happen? I'm so into this. And then Fletcher's just like, he just switches him out and he just walks away and he's like, practice. Yeah. And you're like, dude, did you really have to hit him? Uh, yeah. There's that line. This is that moral dilemma that the uh, whole movie presents the audience of like are the means justified is it okay that he slapped him because it got him to work harder yeah because the next scene is andrew all practicing harder practicing to until his hands bleed yeah to make sure he gets tempo 
And this is when the whole idea of me not understanding music, like having never done anything with music, really hurts my enjoyment of this movie. Is like, I have no idea. Like, this is, it. It's both, both sounds good and bad all at the same time. So I don't know if I should be like rooting, like saying, oh yeah, you're getting better. Or if you're not getting better. Because he doesn't like smile like, yeah, I'm getting better at this. He... So I'm like, are you are you getting better? Are you getting worse? Or what 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 should I be feeling in this moment? Oh yeah. So um, as someone who does know music, who was in band, who can sight read music, who loves music, I can tell you right now in that scene, Andrew was on tempo. <laughs> he was he was on tempo. Fletcher literally slapped him and asked him if he was rushing or dragging, knowing he was on tempo, just to make a point. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. He's on tempo. And and Fletcher's still like, I'm going to slap the shit out of him. Just to, to make him know he's not as good as he thinks he is. Yeah. I, insane. Mm-hmm. I, I can imagine. So I'm a huge math guy. I love math. I love numbers. I love all that stuff. I could only imagine sitting in a math class and knowing I did an equation right. And the math teacher is just like, do it again. You did it wrong. And then slaps me every time I write a number or something. And it's like, but I know I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. But I, I would then start like questioning myself. Am I doing it right? Is this even the answer? It's really, once again, the whole idea of it being toxic of like, you're going to make yourself second guess. Did I do it right? Was I lying to myself? Am I ever doing it right? That's going to put a whole bunch of doubt into whoever it is. And I know that's kind of like his point of like, well, the well, a real good person would just never give up. They'd never give in. And it's like, but you don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. So then, yeah. So Andrew takes that. He switches him back and Andrew sits there crying because he had to admit the entire, to the entire class that he's upset because he was crying. And Fletcher's just like, practice harder. So he goes and he practices harder till the point that his hands bleed. And that's pretty much what we get for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Or at least for the next little bit. Then we get him talking to his family. He's going to a family dinner. I love this scene. I actually wrote that too. I absolutely love this scene. So at the family dinner is his dad, his uncle, his aunt, and his two cousins? Brothers? Cousins. cousins. I think. I I believe they're cousins. Um, And the two cousins, one is in the Model UN, who's going to get like scholarships to college and all this other good stuff. The other one is like a star football player who's going to get scholarships to college to play ball, like all this stuff. So they're very successful. Andrew, maybe not so much. Well, kind of, because he's Division Three. Sure, but so, he'll still he'll still be able to go. Well, if he's thing, Division Three, that means he's already in college. Yeah, but he's at least playing ball on a scholarship, getting an education. Yeah, there's there's NFL players who came from Division Three. It's not unheard of. My enjoyment of this uh, scene in particular is all due to the fact of, like, the entire family kind of praises the two boys, and they look down on Andrew for his choice of music. So, uh, and I see this a lot in real life of, like, people hold... Different standards for different members of the family. Not only that, but they look down upon, like, the arts, Oh, yeah. If you're not playing football, if you're not in you I have know, a f- Model UN, you're doing nothing with your life. I have a degree in film. Do you know how many people have looked down on me and been like, you have a degree in what? Oh, you That's took gonna the do slacker what? way out. I, 
you're going to get a job. How? Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. So it was a great scene for that because not only do you get that vibe off of his family, but you get Andrew sticking up for himself. Yeah. So they have two great conversations. One is all about Charlie Parker, who is one of the most famous jazz saxophonists ever. Yeah. And it's all about how he died at an early age because his dad's like, you got to give up the music or like, you got to, you got to figure it out or whatever, because you don't want to die early. I think that was his uncle. No, his dad says that. Oh, does he? Yeah. His dad says you don't want to die early that Charlie Parker died at 34 of a drug overdose, which I don't think is the actual story. I'm pretty sure he was sick. I thought. Might have gotten sick from drinking. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Um, But Andrew comes back and he's like, I'd rather die young and be remembered than live till I'm 90 and sober and no one knows me. And I'm like, God, that shows you exactly, again, his character. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, there's that drive, that determination. It doesn't matter if he dies in 10 years, as long as he's remembered for his music. It's all or nothing. Yep. And then his uncle's going back and forth, like, that's a stupid thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, you should be like these two who are doing this. And I love Andrew's response to both of them. Because the one's like, you'll never make it in music. And he's like, oh, you're real smart. What are you, a model UN? And he's just like, you know he is, but he uses it as an insult, which mm-hmm. is just extremely clever. And the other one, this is the one that gets me, right? The other one is like, hey, you think what I do is easy? You think playing football is easy? You know what? If you want to find out, why don't you come play with us? And Andrew's retort back is absolutely devastating. He looks at him. He says, four words you'll never hear from the NFL. <laughs> yes. And it's just like, it takes you a second because like, what four words? Right. Come play with us. Mm-hmm. And Andrew's like, four words you'll never hear from the NFL. And I'm like, it's over. Mic drop. Yeah. Finish him at that point. Like mm-hmm. it's, but it's so good because he, uh, he loves his music so much that he will not just back down. He will stand up for his right and his passion to play music. Yeah. What a, what a scene. Just, I'll give out my award early. The family dinner scene is my psycho shower scene. I absolutely love it. It is perfectly placed. The funny thing is it was almost removed from the movie because they thought it killed the pacing of the movie, but I think it's absolutely perfect. No, what kills the pacing of the movie is the dates that he goes on with the... Let's get into it. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when he goes on the date with a theater chick, but he goes on this date. It's awkward as all get out. It's really slow. I just, I don't see Miles Teller as a romantic interest. And yet they continue to date. Yeah. For, like, a, a portion of the movie. So, the date, the woman, the girl, is named Nicole. She is played by Melissa Benoist, who went on to star as Supergirl in the mm-hmm. CW show Supergirl. So, it's really cool to, like, see her in this yeah. to know what she's going to become, which is awesome. But they go on a few dates, and you're never quite sure what's happening. Because she, she, she has less than 10 minutes of screen time in an hour and 45 minute movie. So clearly the romance isn't like a huge part of the movie. But it's just enough to kind of break the emulsion of what what else is happening. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't have let him get past the first date when he literally looked down upon her for not knowing what she wanted to do. Like but, she just went to college and she's like, this is the college that I got into. I don't know my major yet. He's like, well, I have my entire plan. Yeah. But without that, we wouldn't get the wonderful breakup scene. Yeah. Because it's a it's a terrible scene. It's not a, it's not an easy watch scene because it's real. It's poignant. It's devastating. 
where he's just like, here's all the reasons we shouldn't date. Now, uh, goodbye. Get out. But it's not even just here's the reasons we shouldn't. He's already had this entire conversation, their entire life planned out in his head where he's like, if we stay together, you're going to resent me for wanting to play music. And then you're going to want to stop me from playing music. And that's all I want to do is be a drummer and play music. And then I'm going to resent you you for for stopping me. Yes. And he he like lays it all out, even though it's only like their third or fourth date. He lays out exactly what he thinks their relationship is going to be like and how she's going to get in the way of his music. So it has to end. And she's like, you just have this planned out. Like, I'm definitely going to stop you. Right. And he's like, yeah. It's like, okay. You didn't even think that I might think you're, that's great. And that's what I want you to do. Like, whatever. But it's around that time that he's realizing he needs to like hyper-focus like, he's going full... Well, he needs to hyper-focus because he had his chance at the first chair. The yeah. first drummer. Because during a competition, before the breakup scene, I just we were talking about the girl, yeah. so I wanted to talk about I wanted about to the get breakup. that out of the way, yes. yeah. But at a competition, he is the page turner for Tanner, who is the first chair drummer. Mm-hmm. And well, during intermission, Tanner hands him his folder of sheet music and is like, Andrew, don't lose this. Watch this. I got to go take a piss. Yeah. Andrew goes to get a soda. He puts the folder down on a chair. Tanner comes, hey, I want to see the music. Where's the folder? And it's gone. We we never find out what happened to it. It's just gone. Mm -hmm. And so Tanner has to tell Fletcher, who tells people it's basically their Bible. Do not lose it. Yeah. Don't do it. He, Tanner has to now go tell Fletcher. And this is a cool part, though. This part I really like. He tells Fletcher, hey, I gave the folder to Andrew, and Andrew lost it. Mm -hmm. And Fletcher goes, why in the fuck would you give it to dipshit over here? The folder's your responsibility. It's your music, not his job to hold your folder. Yeah, I'm not going to say the exact words, but he's like, if you give someone stupid uh, a phone, and they're going to try and turn on the TV with it. Yeah. It's that idea. And it's like, those are the kind of things that he says. Yeah, he says be like, no, this was your responsibility. Why did you give it to someone else who could it's mess not it their up? responsibility? Yeah. And they're, in his words, a retard. Yeah. And so but that's a really nice moment because that is the whole thing. Tanner's trying to throw Andrew under the bus to be like, it's his fault. And Fletcher goes, No, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And Fletcher's like, Okay, well, just play the music anyway. And this is when Tanner has to admit he can't he doesn't know music. He needs the sheet. He, he needs has a the... memory problem yes. that he needs the sheet music to remind him what yeah. to do. Yeah. They call them charts because you can call them sheet music charts, whatever. They keep calling them charts in case you get confused on what that means. It's yeah, the sheet get... music. Yeah. But he's like, you know, it's your job to know these charts. And Tanner's like, no, no, no. I have a medical condition. You know this. And Fletcher doesn't give a shit no. at all. He's like, no, I don't care. You can't cite. You can't read. You can't memorize music. And Andrew's like, I know, I know it. it all. I know it by heart. And he gets his first chance yeah. to play with the studio band. And he does it. And he crushes it. Mm-hmm. Here leads me to my first question. Yeah. Did Andrew accidentally lose the folder? Or did Andrew purposefully lose the folder? I think he accidentally loses it. I Because we watch him in, in the entirety of that scene... I don't think he had malintent for it. Then where to go? 
It's it's a five second scene. Where did it go? No idea. But we watch him the entire time from him putting it down to getting a drink to looking at someone else to being talked to from Tanner. We watch him the entire time. We I don't know him, where he, he could have done. We see him put it on a chair. Mm-hmm. We do not know what chair he put it on. So when he turns around and says it was right here. We can only take his word that that's the chair we saw him put it on. I don't know. I feel like I just felt more genuine from him. He didn't know that he'd get his shot because Tanner didn't know the music. He doesn't know Tanner well enough to know he has a medical condition. At least uh, that's the feeling that I got. Yeah. To me, it's just like with the drive and stuff that this kid has, it wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put it past him to screw somebody else over to get that part. This brings me to a point that I had of Andrew messes people over and somehow still comes out ahead a lot in this movie and it's just like i hate you <laughs> <laughs> dramatic pause there. <laughs> there there had to be a, a better pause there because whether intentional or not somehow he always comes out on top because of those things and it just makes me not want to root for him that's fair and this is around that time where i'm like i don't like you yeah it's fine I don't think you're supposed to like him. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so he gets his shot and keeps playing with it. And he thinks like he's now the number one guy. Yeah. Until Fletcher brings in Ryan, the guy from the JV band. Mm -hmm. And is like, hey, you know, I got to give him a shot because I heard him practicing and he was really good. So I'm going to give him a shot. And Andrew's pissed because he thinks it's his. He's like, I knew the music. I did it. I saved your ass. It's my spot. Yeah. And Fletcher's like, no, you got to earn it. And Ryan's better at double time, double time swing. Yeah. He just is in that moment. I do appreciate that later on we kind of find out why. Because we don't know initially why. We're just like, oh, you realized how good this other kid is. And you really don't think that Andrew is all that good. But... You find out later that it's just like, I brought him in just to spur you on. Yeah. To kind of be like, get some giddy up. Here's your inspiration. You want to be better than this guy. Don't get comfortable. Yeah. Don't ever stop pushing just because you think you got it. Yeah. Yeah. But then we got to a wonderful moment where Fletcher finds out that one of his past students passed away and we get to see almost genuine emotion from him because he sits in front of the class. He's like, let me tell you about this kid. He died yesterday. And he plays his music for them. Yeah. And he's just like, I just really wanted you to know, like he was this kid that no one wanted to give a chance, but I did. We worked on him. He was really, really good. I just wanted you guys to know that he played really well. Yeah. And it's a really nice moment for Fletcher because he gives a, a good amount of uh, emotion there. And this scene is very pivotal come going Later. forward. Yeah. So let's talk about this scene. Yeah. This scene bothers me hmm. for a couple reasons. Good and bad. Yeah. Okay. So the kid that you're talking about, his name is Sean Casey. Yes. Fletcher finds out that, you know, right after he brings Ryan in and they have a whole competition and Andrew loses first chair, mm -hmm. he gets a phone call and Andrew's like, I kn this is my part. This is my thing. And Fletcher's like, you got to earn it. He's like, not now. Get out. I don't want to talk because about it now. he looks devastated. Mm -hmm. Then he does that whole thing in front of the class. Yeah. And he plays the music. And there's a line of dialogue in his... J.K. Simmons is a great actor. It's very mm -hmm. emotional. It's very... 
there's a line of dialogue where I'm like, God damn, Fletcher, you, you asshole. Mm -hmm. You're lying. You're literally lying to these people right now about how sad you are about this. Because normally when you're giving like a eulogy, which is basically kind of what he's doing, you always say they were a beautiful person. Mm -hmm. You always reference the person. The entire freaking time, Fletcher is only talking about his ability to play music. That's all he sees in people. And all he says, he does not call him to end his whole thing about this. He does not call him a beautiful person. He says he was a beautiful player. Not a person. He doesn't know Sean Casey as a person. He only knows him as a musician. Mm -hmm. So then it leads me to ask you, do you believe Fletcher in that moment that he's actually upset by this death? I think he is. He's upset that... Because his whole thing, and we find it out a little bit later than this, is that he wants to have his very own... Um, whoever the famous guy is that we keep talking Charlie about. Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker. He wants to have his very own Charlie Parker, and he feels like he's never had that. And I feel like he might think that this kid was supposed to be his Charlie Parker. That he mm. brought him up and he was supposed to be great and then he just isn't So there he's more forlorn over the loss of the music yes. than he is over the loss of the person. Yes. What an asshole. Oh yeah. That's all he sees in people. But the way it's shot and the, the emotion that J.K. Simmons puts into it, you kind of connect with Fletcher here until you really think about the speech he just gave and realize he's a terrible human being. Yeah. For Holy me, watching it this time, I didn't quite get this time, that the first time yeah <laughs> just in general i didn't quite get that until later because i thought that's just how he connects with humanity is through music and so that's what he wanted to show is like this is his music he'll live on through this music oh yeah so i kind of believed him more in that moment but going forward i was like oh uh, yeah i don't believe mm, him at all mm. and right after he does this whole thing he's like he immediately just snaps back to i'm the conductor let's play music like, it's a, it's a drastic, stops being emotional on a dime and is immediately back to work. So they start playing music. He realizes that the drummer isn't cutting it. He can't, he can't hit the tempo again. Mm -hmm. Can't hit the tempo. So he changes the drummer. And Tanner can't hit the tempo. So he changes to Andrew. Andrew can't hit his tempo. So he shuts down the entire band. He's like, everybody go take a effing break because I got to figure out a drummer that can get my fucking tempo. And it's hours. It's 9 p.m. when he does this. We Then the the clock moves. It's like 11.30. Two and a half hours, he's just been pushing these drummers to try to get his tempo. And it's just a roundabout. He just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. But I have a big problem with this. Hmm. One, I don't care how successful you are as a teacher. The school itself would never let that happen. Keeping yeah. students just sitting around for two hours, pushing them to the point of complete exhaustion and bleeding hmm. would never happen. And my other problem is, this is where we get a lot of homophobia and racist slurs out of Fletcher. Yeah. Because he's he's dropped them a few times here and there. But he loves the word fag. He loves the word retard. He swears constantly. He's belittling people every second that he gets. And here, Ryan, who has red hair, is like, he just calls him a fucking leprechaun. And he's like, I'm going to call you like O'Flannery from now on. And you know, get off my kit, you fag. Like, he just goes hard on these kids. And it's just a little too much. And it brings up a question I have for you. Mm -hmm. 
we get Fletcher's the bad guy. But is, so is it okay for bad guys in movies to use homophobic, racial, condescending terms because they're the bad guy? Or is it just kind of showing that it's acceptable, they're the bad guy, they're supposed to say that stuff? In this instance, no, it is not okay. If the movie was centered around those themes and that's why that person was the bad guy in the movie is because of those notions and that's what they're trying to uh, rise up against, I'd be like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense as to why that is. Otherwise, there's no point, there's no reason that he needs to be making those kind of remarks. You can still get the same kind of feel across without doing, going that far. Yeah. So I don't think it's okay for him to go that route. Gotcha. So, yeah, I it, agreed. I, I don't think it's necessary. Then Andrew wins the part. And Fletcher's just like, yeah, you earned it. Just like I told you to do. Yeah. So it's like clearly he just brought this other drummer in to push his buttons. Like, it's it's such a problematic thing. But they have to go to this big, huge showcase. showcase right, this whole competition. And Andrew's going to going to start he's going to be the first chair drummer and he's trying to get there and he's taking a bus and the bus breaks down so he has to rent a car and he's renting a car and he's already running late because of the bus breaking down mm -hmm. and fletcher won't understand that so he rents a car he's driving big car accident huge car accident gets hit by a semi truck flips the car gets out busted open bleeding and instead of worrying about himself he worries about the competition he literally runs the last three blocks on foot Mm -hmm. bleeding profusely from his head gets there fletcher doesn't give a shit that he's bloody he's like you're late yeah so ryan's gonna do your part and andrew flips and is like you can't give away that's my part i earned it and fletcher's like since when are you an expert on telling me what i can and cannot do mm -hmm. but then fletcher says if you get your sticks and get out on my stage in that five minutes when we start 20 minutes whatever it is then you can play yeah but andrew doesn't have his sticks Andrew left them at the car rental place. But he lies and says they're in the car. So he has to go drive there and get them and drive all the way back. Which is when the accident happens. It is when the accident happens. My yeah. bad. You're right. I jumped the gun on the accident. A little bit, but that's okay. So he comes back in, talks to no one, sits down all bloody and everything. And plays. And starts to play. And he's terrible. Well, yeah. And he Fletcher, was just, into a, just in a car yeah. accident. And Fletcher had told him previously... I'll let you play if you get your sticks. But if you make one mistake, You're I'm going to kick you out of the band completely. Yeah. And so he makes a mistake, kicks him out. Done. And uh, in that moment, we get Andrew charging him and tackling him. Just being like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I'm going to kill you. Attacks him. And that gets him kicked out of school. Correct. But then we fast forward a little bit. Andrew is no longer playing music because he's just devastated by not being a part of that band anymore. Yep. He's trying to figure out his life. It was all or nothing. When he has a meeting with his father and what I what appears to be like an HR person from the school a or lawyer. a lawyer. A lawyer. Who is now telling him the devastating news. Sean Casey hung himself. Yeah, he didn't die in a car accident like Fletcher, Fletcher said. said. He hung himself and he left notes about how abusive Fletcher was. Yeah, they were saying how he had extreme anxiety, all these issues, and that started when he was with Fletcher. So they ask Andrew, has Fletcher ever abused you in any way? Verbally, physically, whatever. Yeah. And this Andrew, is anonymous. Yes, but Andrew still doesn't give it up. He still doesn't say he... He's like, no, 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 that never happened. Not he, right he, away. Not right away. 
But eventually he does give in. Mm -hmm. And we find out Fletcher gets fired from the school. Yeah. Andrew still can't go to the school. He's still expelled from atta for attacking a teacher. Mm -hmm. But Fletcher's now fired from that school. And Andrew's still trying to figure out his life. And he goes to a jazz club. And he walks in and who does he see? Fletcher playing the piano. Because that's the job he has now. And they sit down and they have a drink together. And they talk and Fletcher shows remorse somewhat for what he did. More or less he's trying to justify what he did. I was going to say, this is a really interesting scene for him because we get to see behind the mask curtain, basically. Yeah. And he's like, I was doing all these things because I wanted my own star who just did whatever. And I don't care. I'm not going to apologize for what and I, I gotta did to push get there. you Because if I didn't push you, you'd never get there. Yeah. So people might not like my methods, but they were successful methods. Yeah. Basically, nobody wants to see how the sausage is made. They just want the sausage. Though this scene and a little bit beforehand, it kind of brings me to a problem I had with this movie of we are introduced to Andrew as being 18, 19 years old. They Correct. tell us that. Yep. How does he rent a car? You have to be 25, to, 25 years old, most states to rent a car. Most how does states. he get into a jazz bar? How does he get a drink? Well, he's he, shown drinking. He doesn't have a drink in that scene. He is shown drinking. He has a drink. They both have a drink. Really? Yes. Maybe... Uh, it could be like a soda Could be a Shirley cocktail. Shirley, Shirley Temple. But it's just like, you are confusing me on if you even know what this character is supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, the the bar scene, there are tons of bars you can get into without being 21. So who cares? The having a drink, you can explain it as it's a non-alcoholic drink of some kind. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Fletcher bought it for him. Yeah. You know, so those can be explained away. The car, on the other hand, yeah. 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 That's a little... That's a nit. You just you just ignore it. <laughs> so we get a conversation between them, and as they're leaving, Fletcher's like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm doing this new band thing, and my drummer doesn't know anything. He doesn't know the music. I'm using all of the charts from Schaefer. We're gonna play Caravan. We're gonna play Whiplash. Roll credits. We're gonna play <laughs> like the music you know. Yeah. You want to come be my drummer? And Andrew thinks about it for a second. He's like, "No, get, get like Ryan or somebody else." And he convinces him otherwise. So Andrew's going to go be the drummer in this new band yeah. with Fletcher. And he for calls this for this showcase. For this showcase. Yeah. Which is apparently in front of like big music people who can give you a job. Yeah. You you thing. do well, you get a job. You mess up, you will you, never get a job. Just might as well just retire. Yeah. But he calls Nicole and is like, hey, come. And Nicole's like, dude, I haven't talked to you in a while and I have a boyfriend. So no. I'm really happy he does not get the girl. Yeah. It, I, that's why I wanted to say he does call her because I know you were going to be like, good yeah he, he doesn't deserve it yeah but he gets to the showcase and fletcher comes up and tells him you think i'm fucking stupid i know it was you he knows andrew is the one who got him fired and he's playing songs that andrew doesn't have the sheet music he for. doesn't have the charts for that yeah he has caravan and whiplash the two he thought they were gonna play he does not have anything else and he looks like an idiot just trying to like make it up on the spot but then we get a great character moment for Andrew. And this is that moment that I think Fletcher's been pushing for this whole time of you can't give up. Because he gets up and he walks away after the first song because he's embarrassed. Yeah. And he hugs his dad and he's basically like crying. I love a supportive dad in oh, that moment. It's yeah. so beautiful. I'm like, you, you've been there for him this entire time. And Paul Reiser's a great actor. So seeing him on my screen as the dad is just, give me more. Yeah. I wish I, we had more dad. But he hugs him, he's crying and everything, and then 
he turns around and he marches back on stage and he sits down to the drums. And Fletcher's giving a whole speech about like, all right, we're going to slow it down. That was a really fast song. We're going we're gonna to go a little bit lower, a little bit slower for you guys and everything. And Andrew starts just playing. Yeah. And he's playing Caravan, the song we've heard a bunch throughout this entire movie. And the, the cellist or the, the upright bass, I think it's upright bass, mm-hmm. is the guy next to him. He's like, what the f*** are you doing? He's like, I'll cue you in. And he's sitting there and he's playing. He's like, all right, one, two, three, four. And the upright bass starts playing. And then he looks at everybody else and everybody else kind of joins in. And Fletcher's like, okay, all right, let's do this. this. Yeah. You know, he's pissed, but he's like, I'm not going to embarrass myself by causing a scene. Yeah. So they're going, they're going, they play the whole song. Fletcher cuts him off, but Andrew doesn't stop. Nope. He just keeps playing. It's, it's drum solo time, baby. Mm -hmm. What do you think of his drum solo? It was good. I really enjoy this part of the movie. Because I actually think he starts with Whiplash and then goes to Caravan because Caravan's the double time. Mm, he says Caravan. Really? Yeah, to the upright basis when he says, what are you doing? Playing Caravan, I'll cue you in. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because... It I, would be cool if it was Whiplash, but... Well, because I thought he did the harder song second being like, he's already exhausted after playing this one one that's really hard. To but do. he only plays one and then it's the solo. I thought they start playing again, but I could be mistaken. Nope. So during the solo, maybe this is what you're thinking of. During the solo, Fletcher's into it now. He's conducting him. Yeah. And he walks up and Andrew's just going. And Fletcher starts moving, moving him. Starts starts Go. leading him, Go guiding slow, him. Slow, and he's like, slow, slow it down, slow. slow it down. And he comes to an almost stopped pace. Yeah. And then Fletcher's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Go, 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 go. And yeah. brings him up in this big finish in this whole thing. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And then Andrew does his whole like on the symbols to end it Mm -hmm. and fletcher immediately goes into another song which i believe is whiplash after the drum solo they i believe they start whiplash okay and then the 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 movie just ends yeah cuts to black yeah we get like 13 minutes of drum stuff at the end of this movie that's how this movie ends because it's i think it's about five minutes roughly five minutes of them playing the song that andrew doesn't know how to play Mm -hmm. he walks off he walks back on and then it's a nine minute drum solo mm-hmm. it's nine minutes of him play starting as a solo everybody joining in and then the solo after that it's amazing yeah it's so good it's a great solo now because it just cuts to black after that solo mm-hmm. what did you think of the ending there's no there's no conclusion we have no idea what's going to happen with these two people i actually don't mind that ambiguous ending because it leads obviously to discussion of like well does he continue music from there? It really feels like Fletcher has a appreciation, not like a really appreciation, but like he has a respect for him now. But he also kind of made himself look like a fool at the very beginning for all these people. So it's like, you don't know where they're going to go from here. All right. So here's a couple questions for you. Rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Does Andrew get a job after this? Does that Was that solo enough for him to get work? Probably. Does Fletcher now think of Andrew as his Charlie Parker? Probably. Does Andrew now forgive Fletcher because they came to a mutual understanding while he was playing the drums? No. Excellent. Yeah, the ambiguous ending works for me. I don't think knowing anything of where they go would have added to the story, and Mm -hmm. it might have actually subtracted from the story. Yeah. I think not knowing and being able to fill in the blanks on my own of like, I 100% think he got a job after this. Mm -hmm. Somebody went, dude, that solo was amazing. Put him on this. Yeah. And... I think they Fletcher did come to a mutual respect with him, 
but I don't think their game's over either. Yeah. It comes to my question of whose revenge was better? Because they both kind of do a revenge thing on each other. Absolutely. Whose is better? It's Fletcher's. Not yeah. not giving him the correct music, embarrassing him. Because here's the thing. Yes, he got Fletcher fired, but Fletcher found another job right away. Mm-hmm. An almost better job? I mean, not really better, but like maybe same plane. He's actually working with musician, musicians who are going to get jobs. He's perf- he's conducting in front of people who are hiring to give work out. Yeah. That's, that's at least even with where he was. Whereas Andrew... He embarrassed him so much, it almost, it could have, could have, we don't know, ruined his entire musical career. Yeah. Is this the best revenge in a movie? God, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, you ever seen like I Spit on Your Grave? That's the best revenge. One other question for you. Yeah. Would you have spoken up? Yes. Wouldn't even take me that long. Same. Yeah. All right. Here's my uh, two questions for you. Mm -hmm. Best car crash ever in a movie? Because it's, it's realistic as hell. Within a car, Yes. Because they stay within the car yeah. the entire crash scene, so yeah. yes. And then, so 2022, we just got a movie called Tar, which is all about a conductor. Toxic who, conductor. A toxic conductor who does really not Shady right things. Shady yeah. yeah. Uh, Tar or Whiplash? Whiplash. Kate Blanchett or J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons. Who was the better conductor? Mm, who played a conductor better? Maybe Kate Blanchett. Okay. At least she was, she did the more like classic version she of didn't conducting. abuse her people she just had sex with her students yeah yeah and okay. physically did the more like what people would recognize yeah. as conducting instead of just like a little hand oh movement. i thought you meant she didn't do the physical abuse to the students so that's why she's the better conductor i mean that too all right uh my two it's are the romance which we kind of already talked about but the main other thing is the coloring there's just a sepia orange tone over so much of this movie and sometimes it can be very distracting because as somebody who doesn't always see color that well mm-hmm. like things can get lost on me and i'm just like oh god i wish you would have just done some variance in color here oh yeah so wasn't a big fan of it hot takes for me this movie is not made for the masses it was not made for general audiences it was made for people who like jazz and like music and no music yeah that's why not many people have seen this movie fair uh my hot take andrew is just as bad as fletcher okay andrew given the opportunity andrew would be the next fletcher yeah i think he has i think they both have way too much drive and they are very similar characters they just have a different ending in mind but also not really Fletcher just wants to find the next Charlie Parker and Andrew wants to be the next Charlie Parker. Yeah. They're all, they're on the same exact path and that's why they butt heads and Andrew thinks he's better than Fletcher when in reality, he's exactly the same Mm -hmm. because he belittles people. He calls Ryan names and says he couldn't, he couldn't handle this. He couldn't, he belittles people just like Fletcher. Yeah. He breaks up with a girl to play the drums because he's hyper-focused like Fletcher. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. All right. Awards? Yeah. Let's do this. Uh, but I already did my psycho shower scene. It's the family dinner. So what do you got? I have the uh, end bit where he takes charge of the band, basically. Where he's like, I'm going to do my own thing and I'll get you guys on board. Yeah. It's a great scene. Great scene. Great music. Mm-hmm. And it's shot really well, too. They don't do a bunch of random cuts. They do some wide shots. They focus on him. And Miles Teller doing a lot of the drumming himself is just fantastic as well. Because he's apparently, he was playing drums since the age of 15. Mm -hmm. 
before this movie, which Damien Chazelle didn't even know when he cast him, hmm. but he could play the drums. He had to learn how to play the jazz style of drums, Yeah, but he could play. Although I will say, Miles Teller has a really weird playing face. When he plays, he just makes this weird face. We all do. It's not a good face. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> Next up is the Life uh, Finds a Way. Award for your favorite line in the movie. Mine is... There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. You son of a bitch. That's mine too. (laughs) That's mine too. I mean, it encapsulates the struggle in this movie of what Fletcher is doing and why Andrew's kind of being led along with it. Yeah, and he says that line when they're sitting at the bar after he's been fired and he's talking about his unorthodox methods of teaching Mm -hmm. and he's like because if anybody would have just told charlie parker hey good job he would have never turned into charlie parker because he would have been like yeah i did do a good job yep and would have settled so there's no and it goes the reason i love it so much is it goes back to something that i've been talking about since i was a teenager of my most hated word in the world i think the most harmful word is potential It's great that you have potential, but somebody needs to help you realize it. You know, I I, I was told a lot growing up. It was like, hey, how come you don't try harder in school? You have so much potential. It's like, well, I hate school. I don't care. Like, tell me, like, help me with that potential. Don't just tell me I have potential. That's what a lot of uh, smart kids, why they have a lot of trouble when they get older is because they are told, oh, you have all this potential. Now you're just wasting it. And you can't focus. Because you have potential in math, you have potential in science, you have potential in baseball, you have potential in this, you have potential. Okay, cool, but I can't focus if I have potential in 12 different things. Somebody help me help me focus it. And that's kind of the same idea here of yeah. like, I can't tell you you did a good job because you'll never push harder. And it's like, that's not always the way to go about it. It's not, but like the idea behind it is there. Yeah, Maybe you, Fletcher you does it the wrong to, way. Yeah, you w- want people to still push forward, but to be as cruel as he was, nah. Yeah. Up next is the Han Shot First Award for what held up the worst since this movie came out. What do you got? I got the gay bashing in this movie. Though mm-hmm. just how hard he went on certain things to certain people. Because he makes that, those remarks throughout the entire movie, and it's just like, that doesn't hold up. Yeah, it doesn't hold up. That's a good pick. Mine is actually Andrew's drive and determination. I don't think hold up very well, mostly because you're looking at a post-COVID society where people now understand their worth Mm -hmm. and understand that things aren't acceptable. Yeah. And so him doing no matter what thinks like, I compare it to having a job. Okay, am I going to go to work because I'm freaking dying because, oh my God, the work, it needs me. I got to, no, people nowadays just don't do that. Like they'll quit a job if it's too, not for them. They'll, and I understand that he is passionate, but I think they, it just went too far. And the car accident scene really bothers me mm-hmm. where it's just like, dude, you could have just died. And all you can think about is the music. That's too far. Yeah. And it makes me immediately disconnect with your character. Mm-hmm. And it's not really something we want to show people being like, this is how dedicated you have to be. To be successful. Yeah. Correct. So I think it's just detrimental to society as a whole to see something like that. And the last award is the Paul Rudd Award for what held up the best since this movie came out. And in the last nine years since this movie came out, my answer is 
J.K. Simmons as Fletcher. Mine too. It's the character is god awful. Terrible. He needs to be locked away in an asylum somewhere and never let loose again. Never allowed near music in particular. Near again. anything. Because yeah. whatever the next thing he found was, he'd be just as bad. But that's the point. We're he, not supposed to like him. J.K. Simmons plays it so well that even the audience is like, I, I want his approval. Yeah. I want Andrew to get his approval. That's what we're chasing here. And it's just like, it's that commercial with the uh, dollar on a fishing hook being yeah. like, oh, you almost got it. You almost got it. It's that throughout the entire movie, but J.K. Simmons just plays it so well that in anyone else's hands, it could have floundered and not been as impactful. impactful. Yeah. I 100% agree. And it's J.K. Simmons. We all like him. Mm -hmm. So for us to not like him is very impressive on his end. Yeah. So, okay, cool. So we actually had two of the awards were exactly the same. Fantastic. All right. Final thoughts and decision. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of this, this is not a movie for me in particular because I'm not a jazz fan. I know nothing about music. So a lot of the movie was lost on me. However, I can tell that this was a really well done movie. There was a lot to dissect in this movie and it happens today. These things still happen, unfortunately, but they still happen. And for all those reasons, it does hold up. Okay. I, I like this movie. I set it up top. I really enjoy this movie. I enjoyed it when I saw it. I enjoyed it watching it now. I think there's a lot of problems with this movie where it just goes a little too far. There's no real moral to the story. There's no righteousness to it. There's no outcome that is beneficial to the audience watching it. Mm -hmm. So I'm torn. If you have ever been in that type of situation, it holds up because it's going to feel real. If you are the general audience who wants to see a movie just to see a movie it does not hold up. Like part of me wants to be like, yeah, 100% holds up. And then part of me is like, yeah, but all the negative, all the gay bashing and all the hatred and Mm -hmm. the the ideas behind this movie don't hold up. I think it helps for me that to know that you're not supposed to like either character. Yeah. I mean, that's my interpretation anyway, is that you're not supposed to like either character. Yeah. But why would I watch it then? That's fair. So that's it. Sorry guys. That's uh, an ambiguous ending. Just like the movie. Ha ha. Ha ha. It's almost like I planned it. I didn't. I literally didn't. But it worked. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on this uh, adventure talking about Whiplash from 2014. If you want to come find us on our socials, Emily's going to tell us where you can do that at. We have a YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, pretty much any social media site we have it come find us does it hold up the link for those is in the description and if you are dealing with anything like things in this movie uh an abusive teacher an abusive partner an abusive please seek help go talk to somebody that's not okay even if they say it's for your benefit that they're just trying to push you there's a limit and they can definitely help you in other ways so never never settle for anything like that you're better than that. You're worth more than you're that. You're worth more than that. Uh, take your drive. Take your passion. Find your way of doing things. And just know that you are incredible. And we appreciate you. And we hope you have a great whatever you're doing on this wonderful day. And in the meantime, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.